Amen. Well, we're continuing a series called The Blessed Life. And, and if you've uh, been around here very often over the years uh, or for very long, we, we kind of come back to this theme. Uh, and we do various uh, uh, versions of this because I feel like it's so foundational to who we are as people. I want our church to be, get this, to be the most generous place on earth. Like, I really do. I want people to think about elevation and think, man, those people are really generous. Man, those, you know, because see, that, I think, is at the very heart of who God is. And I kind of talked last week about, about that, you know, again, you may have heard this, John 3.16, right? So, so God so loved the world that he gave, right? In other words, giving is mentioned more times in the Bible than love, like the word, and, and so there's something about this that really is at the very heart of who God is. And so part of what I'm hoping happens through this series is that God begins to unlock that for you. Because I believe this 100% is that if you don't move towards that in your life, you will not experience what this, uh, what this series is calling the blessed life or a life full of the joy that comes from living into that. Uh, the, the word itself, blessed, means kind of, it means highly favored or favored of God. That's kind of a big one. Wouldn't it be good to be favored by God? And then, and then the other version or another uh, kind of sense of it is happy. You know, who doesn't want to be happy? I mean, that, that sounds good. And, and so I just want to draw your attention to something. A lot of the uh, information that comes out in these series is, is, has been uh, given to us and mined really deep by a guy named uh, Robert Morris. He's a pastor in, in uh, Texas, and he wrote a book called, get with it, The Blessed Life. I know, right? We just, just ripped that off, didn't we? Just, I'll take that. That's mine. And, uh, but, but I do, I do want to call your attention to that because I believe this is one book that I would have on my shelf. It's like someone was saying, Hey, what's a book that really has affected you, changed you, you know, impacted you. This is one of them. And I just want to draw your attention to it. If you've never read it, encourage you to read it, pick it up. I promise you it will impact your life. And so we have copies of this out in the lobby for cost. So if you want to go by and get one, we have them available to you just to kind of make it uh, you know, a resource and make it more uh, where you don't have to go to somewhere and get it. So, so we wanted to do that for you. But, but I believe if you read this, it will have a huge impact on your life. Um, uh, and so encourage you to do that. Uh, and I get no proceeds for doing that. Like I get no nothing from Pastor Morris. So, um, which maybe we should talk to him about that. It's <laughs> getting free air here. So second week of this series, last week, uh, you can go back and check that out. It's online. You can go uh, to download our app, Elevation Church STL. You can find that. Uh, the sermon is called Highly Favored. And so just, just check that out if you missed it. It'll kind of give you a little bit more context. But today, I just want to start with this statement. And I think this is a very important statement when it comes to thinking about the blessed life and it comes to thinking about being generous like God is generous. And that is simply this. It's all about the heart. It really is. It's, it's all about the heart. Uh, that, 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 that God is trying to help us see something when those things happen in our heart, like even when the preacher gets up like you, you have this preconceived idea that you, you came to church today and I knew that preacher was going to talk about this, right? There's something in there that just goes right up. You're like, woo, right? And so there are these things that happen to us 
that sometimes stand in the way. And, and if you're here today and that's kind of where you're at, I just want to tell you, I don't need your money. The church doesn't need your money. Because, see, that's not what it's about. And it's important you hear that. It's important you hear that. Because I think as we go, it'll make better sense to you uh, as to what God is really getting at. Because I think we look at the surface things and God is looking at something different. He's looking at the deeper things. He's looking at the heart things. And so, so it'll make sense as we go. But I want to draw your attention to two particular passages of Scripture. One is in the book of Matthew, and one is in the book of Luke. These are parallel passages, and so they're saying similar things. But Luke seems to add a little detail that I want to kind of draw out uh, today. But, but I want to start in the book of Matthew. So Matthew chapter 7, look at this in verse one, you've perhaps heard this. Judge not that you, right? Judge not, judge not that you be not judged. This is the New King James Version, so that's a little, you know, a little harder to say. It doesn't flow as quick, but, but you get it. Judge not that you be not judged. Perhaps you've heard that. He goes on and he says, For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, isn't it? And so the measure you use, it'll be measured. So if you, if you judge here, then it'll be measured that way towards you. Makes sense? It's pretty straightforward. So we, we flip over uh, to the Gospel of Luke. And I think it's, it's important we see this. But before we do, can we just say that so we can set it to short-term memory? I just want to make sure you have it. Okay, everybody say this with me. Judge not, right, that you be not judged. Everybody got that? Ready? You sure? You got it? Okay, I didn't know if you're out there. You're a little quiet this morning. You have to help me today. Can you help me today? You know me, I'll start amen in the walls. So we, so we look at Luke. So we go over to the Gospel of Luke. Luke 6, 37 through 38. Opening verse 37. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Is that the same? It was the same? Yeah? Go down a little bit to the very end of 38. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Yeah? Same stuff. Luke, on the other hand, adds something for us, which is, that's what's great about the Gospels, is when you read them in parallel with each other, uh, you can find information that maybe one didn't have, and it's, it's, it's just really good. It doesn't mean that they're contradicting each other. It means they're enhancing one another. Yeah, it's important you know that. But, but, but look at this. After, in verse 37, it says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. But then look at what Luke adds. Condemn not... And you shall not be condemned. Huh. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Then he adds this. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. That's King James for you. So, so what, what's he saying? So the imagery is it's, it's, it's agrarian, right? So, so in that society, there were workers who would work the fields, and they would go out to collect the grain and those kinds of things, right? So they would collect the grain, uh, and what they would do a lot of times is they wouldn't fill their basket all the way full. And the reason they wouldn't is because they had to carry it, 
<laughs> right? So they'd fill it about halfway and then carry it to wherever they were going. And then they would come back and maybe fill it again if you were a worker. But see, if you were, uh, if you were a slave or you were poor, the Bible set up an economy that in that particular field, the corners of the field were left for the poor. And they could come and they could get things from the corners. And, 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 and the imagery here is that the poor person is coming to the corner and he's putting or she is putting as much as they possibly can fit in the basket because that's all they're going to get. That makes sense. And so it's shaken down, pressed down. You know, it's like, if this is all I'm getting, we're going to put this stuff. You know what I'm talking about? If you, is this your meal? You're going to make sure, shake it, shake it, pat, pat, pat. You know, get it and get it as, as thick as you possibly can with the food that you need. That's kind of the imagery that, that, that's kind of being teased out. But this is interesting that, that, that Luke adds that in here. Because, see, I think Luke is trying to help us to see something that Jesus was trying to help the people he was speaking to, to see. Because he wasn't just talking about judging. He wasn't just talking about condemning or giving or, or, or forgiving or any of that. It was He was really trying to talk about our attitude of the heart. That there's something in our hearts. There's an attitude in our hearts that sometimes keep us from the blessed life. Huh? There are, there are these things that grab hold of us that, that get Im, implanted into our hearts that keep us from being this. You know what I'm saying? That, 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 that sometimes what I've found is that if we don't understand that it's a heart issue, we will just simply look at the function or the behavior and grade ourselves. You know, am I judging? Am I forgiving? Am I this or am I that? Right? But see, I think we're missing the point. Jesus is trying to help us to see what's really going on in our hearts. Because if you notice in verse 38, he says, give and it will be given to you. Did you know the, 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 the point that he's trying to make is that all of it, all of it is a part of the giving. Because let me, let me explain it to you. you. So forgiveness, right? What's the root of forgive? Give. I mean, it, it's, and, and, and four just says you're for it. Huh? So I'm for giving. Huh? And, and so my point is, is that the, the giving part of that is really the basis of all of it. Because if you don't know how to give, if your heart isn't towards that, if your attitude isn't that, then what will happen? You'll withhold You'll withhold and you'll act in some of these behaviors. So if you're not forgiving or whatever, if you don't give, if you don't have that giving heart, then you're not going to give praise. You're going to give condemnation. You're, you're not going to, you're going to judge. You're going to, you're going to do these things. You're going to be unforgiving because there's something wrong with your heart. There's something wrong with the attitude of your heart. And so everything in this passage is really kind of predicated on the give part of it. Because, see, if you get the give part of it right, then everything else starts to work. It's, it, it's kind of like a, an apple tree. Like with an apple tree, you're better off than just having an apple. Because the apple tree produces apples. And the apples come at, a, I don't know, a lot of apples. You ever been out to that place in Illinois and picked the apples? It's so dumb. 
No, it, it's really fun, but how many of you take home way too many apples? It's so dumb. You're like, I want more and more and more apples. And then if you bring your kids, it's even worse because they want so many apples. And it's just like by the time you've bought like half a bushel of apples, which I don't even know what a bushel is, but it's a lot. And I mean, it's just everywhere, apples. But, but the point is, is with a tree, when you have a tree, the apples come and then the apples have seeds and then you make more trees. And it's like, it, 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 so the potential, the potential is so much greater when you have the tree. Yeah, it, it, it just is. And I think that's what we're trying to get at is that the potential, the potential of our life is so much greater when we understand at the heart of this, it's, it's, it's a giving generous heart that Jesus is trying to get us to see. Because see, I know this, if I judge people, the Bible tells me that it comes back to me. I mean, if I live that way, if I live with a judging heart, that, that it comes back. If I, if I condemn people, that, that comes back to me, that's what, it, what it's saying. If I don't forgive, that comes back to me. If I give, it comes back to me, you with me? So it's making sense. So there's, there's a law here. It's called the law of reciprocity that's happening. It's, it's coming back to me. It's coming back to me. And so it makes sense then to do good things, to have good seeds, to plant good things, because those are the things that are going to come back to us. And so Jesus is saying, you can do that, but you've got to get your heart right, because if you try to do it on your own, you won't be able to ever accomplish it. So, so we look at how God is dealing with giving, and notice that it's really all about what's going on on the inside. It's really about what's going on in the heart. So what I want to do is I want to go back to the Old Testament to a book called Deuteronomy. And so it's the first five books of the Bible. Deuteronomy is in there, all right? And so just, just find Deuteronomy. Uh, but we're going to look at Deuteronomy uh, chapter 15. It'll be on the screens behind me. You can follow along uh, in your own Bibles if you'd like. But Deuteronomy 15, 7. Because I want, to, I want to look at something. I want to dig a little deeper into this heart thing, okay? And so... Let's start here in verse 7. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren, right? Because remember, I told you this is New King James. Within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God has given you, look at this. You shall not harden your what? Your heart. So you shouldn't harden your hearts, nor shut your hand from your poor brother. Verse 8. But you shall open your hand wide to him, Right? Wide to him and willingly lead him sufficient for his need, lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. So, so that you get the imagery, right? You see it. It's that you're open handed. You're like this. And, and, and it's coming from a heart that's open. It's coming from a heart that's been changed. So the heart is the starting point. And the action comes from there. Is, is that making sense? And what I've noticed in my life, and you've probably noticed it in your life as well, is that when you feel compelled to do something, maybe, like you, like you get your wallet out and you start counting the money, maybe you want to help somebody or whatever, or maybe you have to, you know, maybe, maybe you feel led to give something to your church or do something like that or help somebody, you know, whatever. So you pull that out. And, and what happens is you, you're like, okay, I'm feeling it, I'm feeling it. And then you... You go here, right? And then you do this. And right about there, there's this, uh. Huh? It's like, oh. Uh. Yeah? And, and what the scripture is saying is that 
that's an indicator. Now, it doesn't mean you're bad, okay? That's not... God doesn't reveal things to us to hurt us. He reveals things to us to help us. Get this. So when you have that moment of, yeah, when you have that moment, there's something going on. Emotions are indicators. God gave us emotions for a reason. So there's something happening. There's an indicator happening. And what we need to do in that moment is simply say, God, what is that? Because he wants, he wants us to see it. He wants us, because something, because what he's going to do is he's going to trace it all the way back to here. Because that's the thing that has to change. The reason I have the uh is because something's off here. And it doesn't, again, I'm not saying you're bad. I'm saying that God wants to work on that so that you can become the most generous person that he wants you to be like he is. And it's important you see that. And so, so what you see in this passage is this willingness to be helpful. And then watch this. How is it that we're going to get to a place in our life that we act that way, that we're like God in that way? So what I want to do is I want to give you four things that I think can help us become more like God in the area of generosity. Number one, and, and this is, I think, a hard one that sometimes we have to deal with. Number one is that we deal with a selfish heart. Because I'm sure nobody in here is selfish. You guys are all above that. I can just see it in your eyes. You share all your toys, don't you? You just, just share everything. But see, the Bible says that, that we as human beings have a problem from the very beginning. And we even see this in kids, you know, in my mouth. Because that's what you have to teach kids very early on. It's like, you have to share, you know. And then, have you ever seen, this is my favorite, is when a kid is not playing with a toy, but the other kid starts playing with a toy that's their toy, and now all of a sudden they're interested in that toy. So they're like, that's, and they go over and they grab it, and you're like, no, no, you need to share. You need to share. And, 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 and so, so there's something in us from the very beginning that fights against this generous spirit. And so I want to keep digging into Deuteronomy real quick. In Deuteronomy 15.9, so we're going with the same, same place, but look at this. He says, beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. Now, does that seem odd to you? A wicked thought in your heart. Normally, we think of thoughts where? In our minds. Now, this is important. You see this because, see, in, in the Hebrew language, they did not make a difference. There wasn't a difference or a differentiation between the heart and the mind. They were the same. There was a oneness to them. And so this language is important that we see. And so, so he's saying, look, it's because Greeks always put things in boxes. Hebrews were very integrated in their thought. It was very holistic. And so, so in this case, everything's kind of in the same place if that makes sense. And so he says, beware. It's a warning, right? Beware. Like when someone says beware, right, that you're like, I'm in. What's going on? So beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. Now, what's he talking about? Look at this. Saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye being evil against evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing and he cries out to the Lord against you and it becomes sin among you. You're like, what does that mean? I'm going to tell you. 
So in God's economy, the way he set it up with the Israelites is that every seven years, debts would be forgiven. How many of us don't want that in our economy in Jesus' name? Huh? Huh? Some of you are like, please, God, implement that. Implement that. So so what's happening in this passage is that a a poor person comes to someone who has money. They've had a rough go of it. They've been struggling. There's been a recession. They put the seed out. The food didn't come in like it was supposed to. Whatever it is, they're in a bad spot. And they come to the person that can help them, and they say, can you help me? Right? And the person that has the means wants the help, but they notice that it's in the seventh year. And they're thinking, hmm, if I lend you money now, there's a good chance I'm not getting it back because the year's almost up. Make sense? And what the Bible is saying is that thought is wicked. That thought is wicked. That if, if, if that, and so the point that he's trying to make is that there's something that happens in us that we have a thought. And that thought goes to our heart, whatever, and that leads us to, right? It leads, uh, it hurts, it hurts. That's, that's, that's what's happening. And so this wicked thought comes into mind and it begins to lead you to a place of sin. And the sin is not helping this person in the seventh year. Because, you know, we're always looking for loopholes, aren't we? I mean, we just are. We're like, that's the law. Can I squeak here and move there? Okay. Yeah, good. You know what I'm talking about? Like, how close to the line can we get? You ever done that? Yeah, you're all humans. You all have done it. You get my point. And so, so, so the selfishness starts to rise up in him. And he's like, I don't, I don't know if I really want to help. I don't know if I want to help this guy. Here's a question. Why did God invent giving? I like the way that sounds, invent giving. Because he came up with it, right? Because he's the originator. He's the, ori- he's the OG of giving. Yeah, yeah. See what I did there? So, so he invented it. Why did he invent it? Like, is heaven broke? Like they can't pay their light bill? You know, they're coming up short this month, and so they need a little more from you guys? I mean, is that what it is? You, you get my point? I think it's an interesting question. Why did God invent it? Because it's not like he's in need. The Bible says he has the cattle on a thousand hills. Why does he need your cash? He doesn't. So why? Why did he want us to learn how to be a giver? Well, it's because he is. Because at the very core of who he is, that's what he's about. He gives and doesn't expect anything in return. See, and I don't know about you, but sometimes when I give, I want it back, right? And sometimes I want some interest on it, huh? And if you're a banker here, I love you. I do, I do. But again, we're talking about Bible economy. I understand it's different, it's different. But you see my point, because the Bible is trying to create an environment that produces what God wants. And that what he wants is givers who are giving like he gives. 
Because here's the thing, and this is why I think it's true, is because he knows when we get this, that we'll become the most joyful people on earth. That's what's on the other side of it. Now, you may not even believe me yet, but I'm just telling you, God wants us to be generous people because on the other side of it is the joy that we all want and that he wants to give us. That's, that's part of it. Now, Luke 6, 38 says it this way, give and it will be given to you. Now, I've heard preachers stop there. So they'll go, give and you'll get. Give and you'll get. Give, give and you'll get. Now, here's the problem. That's not the whole picture. And when we get that message only, what does it create? It creates getters. Right? That's what it creates. And can you imagine God up in heaven when everybody's getting the getting revelation? Going, woo, yeah, I'm so proud of them. They're just really getting it, aren't they? No, God's not, we were born getters. We were born again givers, get that. We were born getters. Satan is a taker. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And so we get something different from God. He has no interest in making us getters. He has interest in making us givers. That's the part that we have to understand. And what we have to do is deal with the selfish part of our hearts in order to get there. Now, I know something about you men here in the room. I do, because I am a man. Huh? Men struggle sometimes with selfishness. It's true. But we particularly struggle sometimes with selfishness around sharing our food. If you're married or you have a significant other, or maybe you've spent any time around women at all, here's the thing I know. I don't particularly understand it. But for some reason... What I've noticed is that when you go to a restaurant and you order a meal, for example, I get order like, man, I'm going to order a ribeye steak and some mashed potatoes and I'm just, it's going to be good, right? You might hear a voice that says, that sounds good, right? But what that voice is really saying is, I'm going to eat some of that. <laughs> so they're not just affirming what you ordered they're thinking, I'm going to get a bite. I'll give you another example. You go through a drive-thru and maybe you're hungry, so you want to get a soda and some french fries. Yeah? I mean, who doesn't love french fries? I love french fries. Good french fries. I'm sure they're bad for you, but they still taste good. And, but, so you order the soda and you order the french fries that you're going to eat and drink. There's a female in the passenger seat over here, and she's thinking, I'm going to eat some of those fries. I'm going to drink some of that drink. And so what I do, because I'm a generous person, I say to my wife, honey, um, I would really love to buy you your own drink. 
Matter of fact, I'll buy you some French fries. I'll get you a big box of French fries. You can sit over there and eat the whole thing all by yourself in the corner and just love it. And I won't even ask for any. Because, you know, because I could buy. But why? Why? That when we get the food, you know, she then says, no, I don't. But I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah. I know what's on the other side of that. I don't like to share my French fries. I don't. I don't. It's something wrong with me. You know, it's the selfishness in my heart. But see, we, we, when we come into a relationship with Christ and we're born again, we're, we're born into being givers. That's what he wants for us, that, that we take on the very nature of who God is. Number two, number two is deal with a grieving heart. Now, this sounds kind of weird, right? So a grieving heart, what are you talking about? Well, Deuteronomy 15.10, watch this. You shall surely give him, and your heart mm -hmm, should not be grieved when you give it to him. Because for this thing, which I'll define thing for you as giving with the right heart, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all that you put your hand to. Man, that is significant. But what is he saying about this grieving? Like, it's normal to grieve like if someone special to you passes away. Like, you grieve that, right? That's natural to do that. But isn't it kind of odd to grieve money? That's the point he's getting at. Is what is it that we've attached to this money that leads us to a place when it's gone, we're grieving over it? And, and, and I think what he's trying to help us to see is, remember this, eh, that, that, that there's something going on here that causes us to grieve something that we think we're losing. But in reality, we're gaining everything. But yet we think we're losing. That's the problem. And God is trying to help us to see that we need to deal with the grief that we feel. Remember, the indicator God, what's that about? Help me understand what's going on here. Because, see, what I've noticed is that selfishness uh, attacks before we give. So selfishness attacks before we give, and grief attacks us after we give. Like, does that make sense? So the selfishness is like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. But the grief on the back end is like, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I promised to give the church this. I can't believe I did. And so we grieve that. We don't step through that with faith. We don't step through it with faith. We allow the fear to get a hold of us. And we start to grieve a loss of something that really wasn't ours in the, to begin with. Because it's all God's anyway. So it's important. And so you notice here that there's this grieving happening. But then number three, so we deal with our selfish heart. We deal with our grieving heart. But number three is develop a generous heart. This is where we get proactive. We start to develop a generous heart. Look at this. And this is in Deuteronomy 15, 14. You shall supply him liberally from your flocks. In other words, generously, you should supply him from your flock. So here's a sheep. Take a sheep. Take a sheep. Then from your threshing floor, here's some wheat. Here's some wheat. Here's some wheat. And then from your wine press, here's some wine. Here's some wine. Here's some wine. Making sense. And so he's saying you need to do that liberally and he says, from what, this is so good, from what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give to him. 
Look at this. He makes it very clear that you were blessed first. And it's out of your blessing that you give. In other words, we're blessed to be a blessing. God wants you to be blessed in order that you can bless others. Not just so that you can build a bigger barn or a bigger house. And I don't have anything against having a big house. I do have problems against being so stretched financially that you can't be who God wants you to be. And when God tells you to give something, you have no margin in your life because you've allowed certain things to grab hold of you. And my point is, is that we have to live in such a way that we can be the most generous people on earth. And that's what God wants for each one of us. And so we have to learn to live into that. I want to read uh, a few verses in Luke chapter 6, which was our original starting text, but I want to go a little bit uh, uh, earlier in that chapter. And I'm just going to read this to you, so just listen for a second. This is in verse 30 of chapter 6 of Luke. Give to everyone who asks you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. Huh. And just as you want men to do to you, you you also do to them likewise, which is kind of that golden rule thing, right? 32, but if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Verse 33, and if if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? These are the questions that Jesus is asking. Then watch this. For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. Verse 35. But love your enemies. Oh, right? That's tough. Love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And then look at this. And your reward will be great. And you, oh, this is the best part. And you will be sons of the Most High. Let me put this in perspective. God's going to bless you even if you don't want it. Isn't that good? Like, that's what he does. Like, he's going to bless you. Like, if you're like, I know, God, I don't want it. He's like, here, just take it, take it. But here's the other thing that I think is important for us to see is that you will be sons of the Most High. You will be daughters of the Most High. And so he's saying there's something about becoming a generous person that makes us more like our father, which puts us in the family. And I'm a son now of the Most High who is the most generous in the world. Yeah. And so you then become that when you take that on in your life. That's a big deal. Then watch this. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful just as your father is also merciful. Get that. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful as the father is also merciful. Or be generous as the father is generous. Now, we hear that. And a lot of times, depending on where you enter the story, we hear that and we think, yeah, he really is, he really is kind to the unthankful and the evil, right? But here's the thing. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. Like, we got to get that. Is that 
that without Christ, without Christ, that's where I end up. And the Bible says that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. In other words, that's where I was in an unthankful, evil place. And God came into my world, broke into space and time, sent his son into this world to die for me, beat death three days later so that I could be set free, not just to take a seat and sit there. No, no, no. He set me free so that I could become more like him and show the world what God is like. And that is, again, making sense. How good is that? God has been so faithful to us. So loving. Now, here's the point. Why, why am I saying all of that? Because it's right here that, that, that the generosity starts to turn. Like, here it is. And I'm going to give you the last one, and you'll understand. Number four is that we need to develop a grateful heart. Because, see, when I start to develop a grateful heart, you know what automatically comes out of it? A generous heart. When I'm no longer looking at my life and saying, man, this, this is the worst thing I've ever... You know, this, when I look at everything in the glass half empty or whatever that is, when I change... And if you're a pessimist in the room, I just want to tell you, you can be free from that. And I know a lot of people say, well, that's just who you are. No, 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 that's not who you are. God can help you see differently. God can help you be grateful to see it full. Did you know that? I don't know if you knew that. That's going to set some of you free today when you figure that out. You don't have to do that anymore. You can become grateful. And when you become grateful, all that begins to change in your life. All of it. And then the generosity just starts to flow. And it's coming from where? It's coming from your heart. And so once it gets to your hand, it's like, woo! Yeah? It's not, It's, woo! Yeah, you with me? That's what happens when your heart gets changed. When your heart gets changed, all of a sudden, man, it comes out of you like, yes, yes, because I'm not holding on to it because it's not mine anyway. I didn't, I didn't earn it. I got it from him for free. He gave everything to me for free. I don't own it. I'm a steward of it. And my job is to give it to as many people as I possibly can until I'm dead. Making sense. Thank you for your golf clap. I mean, I could really feel it. I could really feel it today. Amen, walls. Amen. So good. You guys, wake up in Jesus' name. All right, I'm going to end with this passage of Scripture. Deuteronomy 15, 15. It says, you shall remember. Look at this. God's always calling us to remember. Because guess what? We forget. How many times has God been faithful to you and a week later you forgot and you were right back in the same hole you were in because you forgot what he did for you a week ago? I've done it. We've all done it. And so all the time the Bible's saying, remember, remember, remember. He says, you shall remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt. He's talking to Israel. He said, don't you ever forget that you were slaves and I came in, I heard your cries. And I came and I rescued you out of that slavery. And I put you in a land so that you could be prosperous and flourish. And then he says, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Thank God. Therefore, look at this. Therefore, I command you this thing today. 
Did you notice he didn't give us a holy suggestion as about giving and becoming generous? It's a command. He's saying, be like me. Do what I've done. Give and don't expect anything in return. Just become the most generous people on the planet. And you know what will happen? The church will catch fire. The city will catch fire with the things of God. Because there's nothing more beautiful than the people of God being generous. People want that. They, they don't appreciate the judging or the condemning. Yeah? But when you give, all of a sudden people are interested. They're interested. And then you tell them about the God that gave. It's, it's, it's going to change your life if you get hold of this. And so God is ordering us to be generous. So let's do what he says. Huh? Seems reasonable. Because see, a grateful person becomes a generous person. And when we become grateful, we'll become generous. We pray with me? God, I thank you so much for your word. It, it shapes us. It, it challenges us. It comforts us. God, I know that there are people in this room that may be struggling with what I've said. And I just, here's what I want to ask you. As with your heads bowed nice, I just want to ask you this question. Ask God to have the Holy Spirit just simply tell you what He wants you to see. Okay? Just say, Holy Spirit, tell me what I need to see here. Because everybody's in a different place. And I don't know where you are today, but I know that God is speaking. So just simply say to Him, say, Holy Spirit, tell me what I need to see. And I'm going to do something. And that's all I ask you to do is do something with whatever He tells you. I also want to pray specifically for those in the room that have never experienced the generous God that I'm talking about. See, the Bible says that Jesus came into this world to die for our sins because he loves us and he wanted to restore us back to the Father. And the thing that we have to see in that is this beautiful picture of love and grace, but also the gift. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's Lord and Savior, that he'll come in and he'll change everything. And so I wonder today if you've ever done that. I wonder if you've secured that relationship because this is what I know. I can't do what the Bible tells me to do without it. In other words, I can't become the person that God wants me to become without the power of God in my life. Because see, if I could, I wouldn't need Jesus. And so I need that relationship in order to be successful on that journey. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to simply ask you this question. Do you know for sure that you've secured that relationship? And if you don't, I want to be able to pray for you today. And I'm just going to ask you to take a step of faith. No one's looking around. and no, I'm not going to point anybody out, but I do want to ask you to simply, uh, on the count of three, just simply raise your hand up as an indication of your desire. And I would just want to pray with you today, right where you are. And so if that's you and you're ready to make a decision to take a step of faith towards Christ and that love, would you right now on the count of three, just simply raise your hand up and be bold about it. One, two, three.
Do it. Lift your hand up. Lift your hands up. Good. Good. All right. Church, for those that are making decisions, we want to pray with them. And so we're all going to pray together. And so right now, just simply repeat this prayer after me. If you raised your hand, you say this, and everybody else is going to say it too. Lord Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Would you save me today? Will you be Lord of my life? Will you change me from the inside out so that I can be everything that you want me to be? In Jesus' name, amen.